Hello, and welcome to the Becoming Italian podcast. My name is Caleb, and along with my co-host Ben, we'll attempt to demystify the process of obtaining Italian citizenship recognition, Yure Sanguinis. As always, our normal disclaimer applies. Uh, ben and I are not lawyers or experts. We're just experienced amateurs hoping to provide some guidance for people attempting to go through the Yore Sanguinis citizenship recognition process. Be sure to consult your own lawyers, advisors, or experts before you make any decisions based on the information contained here. In this episode, we cover visas and how to stay in Italy legally while waiting for citizenship recognition. We also talk about our experiences dealing with various government offices in Italy and some tips for navigating what can sometimes seem like a never-ending bureaucracy. This episode should be particularly helpful for anyone planning on moving to Italy to apply for Yore Sanguini's citizenship recognition instead of at a consulate. Uh, today, let's chat a bit about uh, what you need to do when you arrive in Italy, uh, where you need to go for you know various uh, documents and things like that to get your visas, and some of the procedures around that. Um, I think the main the main things that we would be talking about would be like a declaration of presence, uh, which I've forgotten how to say in Italian. Um, and then the permiso di soggiorno, right? Which is the uh, like permission to stay, essentially. It's like a, it's like a visa, uh, more or less, for Italy, right? Um, so... Do you want to talk a little bit, Ben, about the uh, importance of your entry stamp when you when you enter Italy and the difference between uh, whether you fly directly to Italy or you enter the EU from another country? Yeah, not a problem. So, uh, as uh, Caleb was saying, so when you enter Europe, uh, wherever you're coming from, provided it's not another European country, um, so let's say you're flying New York to uh, Milan, Rome, wherever, uh, as long as you're stamped in by Italian immigration, uh, you are not going to need what's called a declaration of presence. So if you flew into, you know, New York to Sweden or Germany or France or uh, the United Kingdom or Spain or anywhere, you know, anywhere that's not EU zone, non-Schengen, um, you're going to enter Italy and most likely not receive an entry stamp because all of Europe is sort of under one umbrella or all the European Union, rather. Uh, and then you're going to have to go to the police and get a declaration of presence. Now, that's not something I directly have experience with. Uh, Caleb can speak about that, I believe. But I, uh, I I didn't have any experience there. I flew directly from... Uh, well, actually, no, I flew Tel Aviv to Rome. So, actually, Tel Aviv to Milan. So, I don't, I don't have any experience with that because my first, uh, you know, my port of entry was Italy. Um, but I do know... For a lot of the Europeans who have entered or a lot of the people who have entered Italy uh, through some other transit country, uh, so they've passed immigration somewhere else, um, you have to get that declaration of presence. Uh, the reason all this is important is to go get your extended visa. Uh, you have to, which is called the Permiso di Soggiorno, you have to um, show when you entered Italy. They want to know how long you've been in the country. And that's that's important for a couple reasons. The first is to make sure you haven't overstayed your 90-day limit. Um, that's assuming you have an American passport. I'm sure some other countries have different agreements with Europe. But for us Americans, or I think Canadians as well, and probably everyone else, but 
you have a 90-day window. You're allowed to be in Europe for 90 days within a 180-day window. Um, as I've shared many times before, I was there for a year. So I went through the Permiso de Sondrono process. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's likely different for wherever you are. You're listening to this if you're Brazilian or some sort of South American, you know, wherever you're, you're from. Um, you need that decoration of presence or, again, that stamp. Uh, to get the Permissive Decent Journal just initially filed. Um, once you go to the police office, we'll, we'll discuss in depth in a bit. Um, that's not going to be relevant anymore because you've already turned in your documents. But when you go to the post office, um, uh, which is where you get your Permissive Decent Journal packet and then you apply for it, uh, they will check it. And they're going to ask you some basic questions and nothing too deep, but they're going to go over why you in the country, what are you looking to do, uh, and then they'll, they'll submit your application. So my experience was pretty seamless. They were kind of mad. My name was, uh, you know, Benedetto and I didn't speak fluent Italian or really any Italian then. Um, but, uh, they were, they were helpful nonetheless. So, uh, it was an interesting process to say the least. Yeah. And this ties back to the law, which essentially, uh, says that you have the right to a permissive sojourno or a, a longer term stay uh, visa if you're there for the purposes of citizenship recognition. Um, there are some limitations on that law, uh, which is what I kind of ran into. So I did actually make sure to get the stamp when I flew into Italy. Um, but when I went to apply for residency, my stamp was more than three months old. And there's something in that law that uh, specifies three months. It's a little bit ambiguous the way it's written, but the way that they interpreted it in Napoli was that if the stamp is older than three months, then uh, it's no good, even though I was using an EU passport. So I was actually entitled to live in Italy anyway, uh, but they wouldn't accept the stamp and wanted me to go do the declaration of presence prior to getting residency, uh, which I did attempt to do, and then wait times were... Uh, just way too long uh, in Napoli, which is eventually why I decided not to finish pursuing my process there. Um, the one the one thing which you briefly touched on, Ben, that is worth mentioning here is if you fly into another EU country, or maybe you're coming directly from another EU country to Italy, uh, if you're already in, in the EU or you're an EU citizen um, or a resident somewhere else in the EU, for example, then when you come to Italy, instead of that stamp, you will need to get the declaration of presence. And that's usually at the uh, police station. Um, I think there may be somewhere else you can get it in some cases, but normally it would be the police station. Um, you get that uh, declaration of presence instead of the stamp. And basically what that says is, you know, you were here or you arrived on this date for this purpose. And once you have that declaration of presence, then that uh, sort of states the purpose of obtaining citizenship recognition, and you can take that to get residency, at which point you can submit your paperwork, uh, you know, for uh, recognition of your citizenship. So it all kind of ties back to that law that essentially um, gives you the right to stay for the purposes of citizenship recognition. If you're American or Canadian, for example, um, that law isn't, I guess, as applicable if you're an EU citizen already, uh, which was the case for me. Uh, but it does, uh, it does still give you a reason to obtain residency 
in Italy, because sometimes even if you're an EU citizen, for example, they'll want to see like a work contract or some reason for staying in Italy. Um, and so that you can point to that law as an example of, uh, you know, I'm entitled to stay here um, while I'm obtaining recognition of my citizenship. And that can be an example of that. Uh, when you were in Rome, uh, did you did you go to the police station? You got your uh, declaration of presence, and then you went for the permesso de sojourno, or did you say you did that the other way around? So, uh, as I've said many times in the podcast, my process was a little backwards, um, and that's mostly due to my lack of understanding. When I first showed up, I tried to wing it, and the uh, second part is that I couldn't find a place to rent. Um, that took a while, uh, that took really the better part of five months. Um, <clears throat> so I did not do a declaration of presence. I flew again, uh, Tel Aviv to Milan, and then I just kind of traveled around in the tourist loop and then ended up in Rome. Um, where I ran into a challenge was, um, actually, so, well, so my challenge was definitely residence space, but. The bigger challenge I had was uh, getting the Permiso Decent Journal actually uh, approved, which I actually never did. Um, mine was sort of in limbo from uh, the time I filed to when I left the country. Um, it was it was kind of, well, really sort of confusing and frustrating and definitely not something I'd recommend anyone go through. Uh, it was not. It was, it was, it was a very stressful point. You know, I look back at it sort of, you know, rose colored glasses now, right? Like it's not an issue, but I, you know, it, it was not, it was not fun. Um, so for me, you know, my process was I entered Italy. Um, my 90 day stamp was actually about to expire. So I went to the uh, post office and filled out the application and filed it. And, um, Actually, I met a, a Brazilian woman at the, uh, what's called the Ufito de Estado Civile, uh, Bruna, that's her name. Um, I actually think she just got engaged, so congrats to her. Uh, but um, she uh, she had already done her, so I actually pretty much just did it with her, and uh, she was extremely helpful. And then I went and turned it in on my own. Um, so I, uh, I got the application, I filled it out. I took it into the post office and they said, you know, ta-da, here they printed me out a form. And about two and a half months later, I had a, an appointment at the Ufficio di Migrazione, uh, which is in Tor Sapienza in Rome. It's the, I want to say northwestern part of the city. It's in the outskirts. It's in a pretty rough neighborhood. Uh, kind of mimics Detroit, which is where I'm from. So, or mirrors Detroit. So, I guess kind of normal. But uh, um, way out. And yeah, I had to get a cab out there. I guess there's a bus network out there, but I took a cab. Um, and that's when the problems kind of started. Uh, so I went into that appointment and they brought me into a, a secondary room where you have to wait and then they call your name and then you go talk to somebody. And again, my Italian kind of sucked then, but uh, I was able to show them my citizenship paperwork. And uh, they asked me about, you know, sort of, you know, what I was doing and, you know, I intend to file and had I filed and I went through what I'd done so far and they said, okay, go get fingerprinted and you have to give us proof you turn in your paperwork and, you know, just, just come back. And uh, so that's what I did. I went and got fingerprinted, the different office, and then 
left. Uh, 45 days later, I went to the police station to get pick up my card, was told, well, hey, there's a problem. You actually haven't turned in your citizenship paperwork yet, and we need that. And that's where my problem sort of came from. So I had to, to fight between the residence office who kept declining my application uh, because I had the filed paperwork for a permissive decent journal, but I did not have the actual permissive decent journal cart or carta de sojourno, I believe. But um, that was an issue. And then, of course, because I wasn't a resident, I couldn't legally turn in my paperwork. It was a, it was a major, you know, sort of cluster. Um, I successfully fought for the remainder of that time to keep my process pending. I did get what was called a, I want to say notice of rejection, um, which is part of the process, which, which would basically means, hey, you haven't turned in the right stuff, you know, you need to, to do that. Um, I went back to what's called the commissariato, which is like the police chief uh, in my district. And I just kept arguing. And I would say, hey, look, I've, I've tried a thousand times. Here's all my rejection letters um, with the comune. Uh, here is my paperwork that shows I'm Italian. Um, you know, what do I do? And... They, uh, to their credit, uh, the police uh, were extremely helpful. Um, they would call people for me. They would fax in requests. They uh, went above and beyond for me. You know, really appreciative of that. That's the reason I was able to stay in Italy, sort of in a gray area, but still legal um, for that whole year. Um, you know, that, that sort of kept me sane. Now, again, I had to go back like every other week, every week, every month to make sure I was still okay, but, um, it was not, a it was, it was not a, not a, not a peaceful time, right? Very stressful, especially towards the end. But, uh, so to, to sum that one up, no, I did not do a declaration of presence. I went straight for a permissive use in I did it the complete wrong way, uh, which should be a lesson to all of you. Do not try to do that. If you have any interest in following in Italy, uh, the correct way to do it is to enter the country, uh, have a rental or a decoration of uh, hospitality filled out beforehand. Get that filed. Um, you know, go to the community in person if you can. Give them uh, give them a letter or give them the uh, law that says that you can do this, uh, which they may or may not accept. And uh, once you get that done, then go get your uh, paperwork turned in and then go get your Mr. Decent journal. So... Uh, definitely don't do it the way I did because uh, that that was not smart. Something you mentioned earlier was the the rental as well, and I think I left that out when I was speaking on the process earlier. So that is super important because you do need either a lease that has been registered. So in Italy, when you when you make a lease with a landlord, you sign it, and then the landlord has to actually register it with like the tax office essentially. And that's what makes it a valid lease. If it's not registered with a tax office, it's not really an official lease and it can't be used for the purposes of establishing residency. So uh, within 90 days, whether you're American or an EU citizen, actually, um, you get that stamp or you get your declaration of presence when you arrive. If you're coming from like within the EU and don't get the stamp, the the second thing you need is that lease. Um, and that that was a bottleneck for me in Bologna when I did it. I know it was a bottleneck for you in Rome. In Napoli, I was able to find something fairly quickly through some connections I had there. Uh, it wasn't particularly you know, cheap or anything. Um, I was definitely paying a bit more than market value for the apartment, but it was quick. 
the proper registered lease, all that stuff. Um, but then I ran into issues with uh, actually getting an appointment at the residency office to basically submit the lease and you know uh, get that get that residency so I could turn in my paperwork. Uh, by the time I was able to get an appointment and actually go there, it was m- months of waiting time. Um, and that's partly because Napoli is just a big city. They have a lot of, uh, you know, migrants coming in. Um, so the, the office is a bit overloaded. So they, they had a long wait time. But by the time I did go to that office, my stamp was more than 90 days old. And that's when they told me to go get a declaration of presence um, and then come back because they didn't want to accept the stamp. So that's just something for people to think about. Uh, getting an apartment can be a major bottleneck in the, in the sort of process. If you, if you don't have an apartment lined up, finding one can be difficult, especially if you don't speak Italian. It's a good idea to talk to brokers before you arrive. Uh, you can use, uh, there's some, some rental sites we've, we've linked in the show notes previously on previous shows, I think. We'll, uh, we'll link them again on, on this one. Uh, but there's some, good, there's some good resources you can use uh, to find an apartment talk to brokers, uh, try to find a broker that actually, you know, responds. It's pretty common in Italy to talk to like 10 brokers and get a response back from maybe one or two of them. Uh, it doesn't quite work like, you know, the U S for example, where apartment brokers are going to be like in New York, for example, they're going to be like fighting over your business, trying to get you to, you know, sign with them in Italy. It's a bit more proactive on the part of the, the buyer, so to speak to, to actually get some attention from the brokers and get things going. And, and options can be quite limited, especially in the smaller towns. There's, there's not that many apartments for rent long-term. Um, quite often in the more touristy places, you'll have like holiday apartments uh, that aren't available for long-term leases, um, things like that. So you really have to try to plan ahead there. Um, maybe try to select a town that has better availability for apartments um, or try to get a, a declaration of hospitality. So that's something I didn't do, but I think Ben, you said you had, you had actually done the declaration of hospitality rather than the registered lease route. Um, the reason that made sense for me was just sort of happenstance. I uh, met a, um, a uh, couple um I won't say their names, but I had met a couple uh, who kind of had like a spare apartment, for lack of a better term. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they made it available to me and, uh, you know, we're going to fill out a declaration of hospitality. Um, again, really didn't matter. The Comune uh, would not accept it because of the uh, permissive use and journal issue. Um it's actually kind of funny. I had sent them the law on how it works, and they flat out said, yeah, no, that doesn't work here. Uh, and I think what they meant now was that my stamp was over 90 days old, but I don't I don't think it would have mattered, to be honest. Um, I, I know we've touched on this before, but politically, Italy's in a weird space right now, and we sort of want, we want to be apolitical on this this podcast. We don't really want to dive too deep into the minutia of what's going on. You know, that's obviously a personal thing. Uh, you can, of course, read about it. There are some great Italian newspapers in English, like the local.it. Um, you know, they're in a weird space right now. And a lot of it has to do with uh, naturalization. Um, you know, you've lived in the country for X period of time, legally registered. 
and you become eligible for Italian citizenship. Um, that's become a problem recently. And I suspect, I don't know for sure, um, but I suspect that they've given out sort of a blanket statement to be very wary of uh, naturalization, or I'm sorry, uh, residence applications because of that. Um, now, I, I had every reason to want to file. You know, my name is Italian. Uh, I am Italian. Um, I, I sort of had all of the right reasons to do it, and they still refused with me. Um, I feel that was somewhat political. I also, because I'm, you know, to a lot of people in Italy, this is sort of the thing I, I suppose a lot of listeners will not know unless you're on the ground. There are a lot of people who didn't consider me Italian. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it was I didn't speak Italian. Uh, I still don't have a fluent, uh, you know, sort of understanding of Italian. Um, actually, I've lost most of it since I've left Italy. But um, a lot of people don't consider the lineage to make me Italian. There's 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 a there's a lot of sort of you know baked in answers there, but or reasons rather. But um, I suspect the residence thing is more political than anything else, and that that could just be my ignorance. It's very possible that that's just a normal issue in 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 Italian culture and. It requires a lot more finesse than I did. Uh, that experience was definitely a sort of a life experience for me as well. Anytime I have to deal with a foreign government, uh, I'm going to hire an attorney and just have them do it for me. It's not worth my time um, or headache, frankly, to invest in that process. Uh, it's just it's it's it was way too difficult. Um, you know, some of my challenge was it took. Every time I submit a request, it took them about seven days to reply. And I must have put in 10 requests, maybe 12. So you have almost, you know, two to three months right there of just no's. So was was a struggle. Um, was not was not uh, was not a was not sort of welcoming. Um I suspect, back to the point, though, that had little to do with decoration of hospitality uh, because there, of course, is the other form, which is the lease, as you know. Uh, and it had I think it had more to do with just sort of they didn't want to deal with me, um, which was sort of my experience over there was that they're bombarded with people like this, especially in Rome. And, you know, you got to get in where you fit in. And uh, I just couldn't couldn't find a place to fit in. Yeah, coming from a... I guess, analytical perspective on this, I tend to be a sort of systematic, you know, analytical person. I, when I started trying to look into this process, I discovered I was eligible. I try to find a, you know, maybe a website or something that just laid out all of the requirements in detail. And what I found was a lot of high level information and not a lot of detail. And the reason for that is, as, as you know, well, uh, in in the U.S., for example, we're used to things operating fairly similarly, at least on a state level, right? Any kind of government procedure, uh, whether it's state or federal, tends to work the same across the state or across the country. In Italy, it varies town to town and even office to office within the same city. If you have several different offices in the same city, like in Rome, um, you know, different districts, 
it can work completely differently in different offices. And it's really up to the, uh, you know, officer or, um, you know, person working in that office to decide what the procedure is. And quite often what they decide will have very loose bearing uh, to what is actually written in a law. Uh, And coming in as an American, uh, you know, who doesn't speak fluent Italian and, you know, telling them this is the law, here it is, I've printed it off the, uh, you know, government website or wherever you, you know, get it. I can understand why that rubs them wrong, right? Um, And I can kind of see where they're coming from. It doesn't necessarily make it right that they would ignore the law or intentionally impede your application, um, you know, in order to kind of just fulfill their sort of way they do things or political prejudices or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, It doesn't make it right, but it's the way it works in Italy. And so that's, that's something you have to realize going in is that you can do everything right according to the books. And if you don't sort of mesh with the local system that varies greatly from North to South, from town to town, from district to district, even within the same cities, uh, you really have to find out what that office wants and how they want to handle things. This applies to even consulates, uh, across the world, even consulates, you know, within the U.S., different states and different consulates have different procedures and requirements, um, things like that. So that's something you'll run into all the time. So I would recommend anybody looking into this to, uh, you know, pick your pick your location or your consulate or wherever you're going carefully and then find out rather than trying to find out what the law says necessarily, um, try to find out what that consulate or that office in whichever city you're in, if you're in Italy requires and what their procedures are. Uh, because if you, if you just come in trying to, you know, tell them, okay, this is what the law says and here's, you know, what you need to do. That's not really a great recipe for getting anything done in Italy as we both found out. Right. So um, it's not, you know, ideal. It can be kind of upsetting from an American perspective to, uh, you know, realize that things aren't really consistent and, um, you know, you might run into some, uh, you know, prejudice or, or what have you, um, you know, that's, that's a thing that does happen. Um, but it's, it's a fact of the process and, and the way that Italy works in many cases. And so you have to, you know, work with it. Um, if you try to make it fit your, you know, sort of conception of what it should work like, uh, you won't get anywhere as, as I found out. And as I, I think you found out as well, it's, it's easy to go in with that perspective of, um, you know, this is what the law says and here's how it should work. And then once you're on the ground, it's a, it's a very different story. Yeah. I wish I would have known that before, by the way. Um, I wish I would have understood that, that, you know, my understanding of how things work uh, is not how it uh, really turns out. Actually, that was, that was sort of a, an extremely sort of maturing point for me uh, was that, you know, being able to live in another culture, but also see how things work really sort of opened my eyes to um, just how fortunate I am. And again, you know, want to be apolitical, uh, but, you know, you just don't know how well you have it until you don't. Um, I can sum up my experience in dealing with the government in Italy as frustrating. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm not the only person with that, but I took it personally, whereas in my dealings with Italian people, you know, sort of 
going out, meeting people, making friends. This is unfortunately a pretty common thing uh, where it's difficult to get things filed and deal with the local government. Um, I had a great experience with the police. They were extremely helpful. Uh, the Questura, the Comisariato, the Immigrazione, all of them, you know, th- those people were fantastic. Um, you know, they, they were professional. They were polite. Uh, they were they were very willing to help me. Um, they understood that my level of Italian was not at their fluency level. And, uh, you know, the thing with Italy, too, is it's, it's almost like English. You know, they speak really fast and they have a lot of a lot of sort of slang in there or at least not sort of, you know, textbook Italian. So, you know, it, it's difficult to keep up with. They are very helpful. They even kind of practice their English on me a couple of times. Uh, but, you know, between them wanting to help me and me, you know, being there and asking for help, you know, th- th- there was a connection there. They, they were really they were interested in helping me. Um, and that, that was the that was the, the, the best scenario I could have gotten because those were the gatekeepers to my extended visa. Um, something I haven't shared, which is, you know, when I left the country, uh, of course, I had overstayed my 90 day stamp. I'd been there for 12 months. Um I was still legal because I was in that that pending permissive recent journal gray area. So no big issue. Um, but if I had not continually fought that, that would have been a problem. And that's how a lot of these things work. And Caleb, I know you traveled many places, many more than I have. And frankly, probably many more than the people listening. Um, you know, immigration is sort of a funny thing, right? Uh in the U.S., we're not used to exit immigration. We don't have that. Actually, I don't believe anyone in North America has that, where when you leave, you just leave, right? Like if you're going to Canada, you just cross the border and you go to Canadian immigration. You never deal with an American when you leave. Italy, and I suspect and I believe almost every other country, has exit immigration. Um, and that's when they're going to catch you. If you overstayed or you know you did something wrong, whatever, that's when they're going to get you. And when I left, I made sure to hand that uh, immigration officer my um, my passport with my permission to use journal slip in it. I wanted him to understand that, you know, I'd done everything I could up to this point. And he, you know, just kind of looked at me and, you know, handed it back to me and stamped me out. And, you know, off I went. Uh, and again, I was totally in the sort of correct legal, you know, process. I, I didn't. I didn't overstay. I just was sort of stuck in that gray area, um, which I believe the way the law is written is that until there's a final decision on your permiso decision journal, you're allowed to leave and re-enter. Um, I think it's within a six-month period or something. I don't know the exact rules on that, but you know, I wasn't too interested. I just wanted to make sure that I was okay to leave. Um, but all of that process, you know, going back to sort of how I expected it to work was the complete opposite of what I imagined. And again, when, you know, boots in the ground, when you kind of figure it out and you're in it, it, it was it was not something I was familiar with or really prepared to deal with. And, you know, of course, I've, I've harped many times about it. Uh, it was it was uh, not a uh, not a fun time. So you know, that that's the aim, of course, with this podcast, right, is we're trying to educate people and allow you to sort of, you know, vicariously understand this process through us uh, because, you know, there's a lot of things uh, I I know I did wrong and I would assume you'd say the same. So, uh, you know, 
be careful. Make sure you're on your uh, your P's and Q's when you're going through this process, especially in Italy, because you make too many mistakes and you end up in the situation what I was in, and you know it's an uphill battle from there. Yeah, I I made many of the same mistakes, or, or maybe different mistakes that ended up in more or less the same position. Uh, I think with either of us, if we had had more time, right? Like these mistakes could have been rectified eventually, but it's, it's just a matter of how much time you want to put in. So somebody who wants to move to Italy permanently and pursue this process and, and citizenship recognition as part of that is in a much less pressured situation because once you do, uh, you know, have that stamp, um, you know, you, you can apply for residency based on that. Um, as long as you try to get that portion of the process going pretty quickly, you're, you're not going to be kicked out. Uh, that is the thing with Italy from an American perspective that was definitely different. Um, there's not really deportation that happens from Italy. And because the process is less concrete and defined, than it would be, say, in the U.S. Um, it's it's also more flexible, so you can make a mistake, and you know potentially recover from it. You're not going to have like police beating your door down and deporting you or something like you might have in the U.S. if you, you know, screwed up your your immigration status somehow. Um, you know, but you will uh, have to invest a lot of time in it. So. If you're trying to go to Italy, stay there for, say, six months and, you know, finish the process, which I think was the goal with both of us. We wanted to finish it, obtain the Italian citizenship recognition, and then, uh, you know, be able to come back later on and, and live there for a longer period or things like that. Um, so if you have a lot of time to invest in the process and a lot of patience, then there's almost nothing you can't do. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and a lot of flexibility and willingness to kind of work outside the box. And, and when I say work outside the box, I, I want to really be very clear that I'm not talking about bribes. I'm not talking about, um, you know, skirting the rules. You definitely don't want to get into that situation because that's something I, I do know people who have skirted the rules or, uh, you know, paid extra fees um, to expedite the process and things like that. And, some of them are now in situations where their citizenship is being called into question because um, the person that was that was accepting those bribes or you know facilitating these things got caught. Uh, so you definitely don't want to be in that situation. When I say you know think outside the box, I'm talking about situations where one office is telling you you need something and the other one's telling you you need something else and you can't get either one without the other one. Um, you know those kind of sort of dependent situations where, you know, you just have to go in and kind of explain your situations, talk to people and try to sort it out. Um, maybe the last thing I would say, if you're, if you're planning to go to Italy to do the process, I wish I had invested a bit more time in learning Italian before I went, because trying to learn it on the spot in, you know, I was studying it while I was there, but um, obviously wasn't, wasn't all that fluent after the, in the first few months, um, never did become completely fluent, right? Uh, but I definitely ran into a lot of situations where had I been more fluent in Italian, if I could have explained things better, I probably would have had a better outcome. Um, and I wish I had paid an interpreter to come with me or had a friend come with me who could interpret uh, during those times. I think it would have expedited the process further. 
And I, I know you ran into the same thing where you hit a few roadblocks, you know, based on language. So that's another tip for, for people considering going to Italy to do the process. Uh, take some lessons first if you can. You know, Italian is not the easiest language to learn, but it's not a really difficult language either, especially if you're a native English speaker. Um, it's worth noting as well, I think, that our process sort of reflects having gone in with American passports or, uh, in my case, British passport. And it's definitely going to be different if you were, say, from Brazil or from Argentina. Uh, I know people who have applied from there and were treated very differently. So as difficult or frustrating as the process was for us going in, uh, I know it's much more difficult if you're, say, coming from Brazil, for example. Um, there's just less sort of allowances made um, towards things in some cases, right? And this, this goes back to the point that every office is different. Some offices are going to treat you great no matter what. Other ones might treat you differently if you don't have, say, an American passport or a Canadian passport or, or something like that. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well. If you happen to not be American and you're listening to this, uh, you know, you might end up with slightly different treatment and, you definitely would want to consider, you know, potentially engaging some legal help if you can afford that to make sure all of your documentation is in order and just just try not to give any excuses for delays or for denial of uh, status of things, uh, you know, and things like that. Yeah. And something I want to jump in and say, too, because uh, I know we both feel this way, but, you know, it's, it's easy for us to understand tonality, especially because we're friends. Right. But at no point are we making it anyone in Italy's fault that we didn't speak the language. Uh, that's on us. It's not their fault that we weren't able to communicate as effectively as we should have. Um, I would recommend to anybody that if you're starting this process from the outside, hire an attorney. Um, I don't know what that'll cost you. I, I don't know. Maybe that is cost prohibitive. But if you can get someone on the ground who can help you set up either an apartment or a rental or, again, a decoration hospitality, and you then can go to get all that filed, that would be very helpful. The second thing I'd recommend to anybody is find a language school. It's something I wish I would have done. Um, I would have been able to sort of get into some sort of classroom or intensive uh, sort of uh, language uh, program that would have helped. Um that, that was my biggest issue, and I probably yours too, right, is being able to communicate effectively because there's a lot of things that are sort of lost in translation, not only through Google Translate, but literally just of why you're there. Um, I'm, I'm firm. I'm, I'm pretty firm in my belief that if I spoke Italian at the level I needed to, I probably would have gotten further along. Um, I might have actually even finished it. I can totally understand if I put myself in their shoes after living there and seeing it for a year of how flooded they are with so many different people that speak so many different languages that are from all over the world. Um, I totally understand why it would be frustrating for them, A, to deal with you, and then B, have to make sort of an exemption for you uh, because you don't speak the language. Like that that's sort of a you know something they're not going to be able to do with everybody. And might, again, do it again on a case-by-case -case basis, much as the police did with me. But it's 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 definitely not their fault. It's it's not their fault that I 
and I, sus I suspect you as well would think the same, that, you know, we didn't come in speaking Italian. And I, that, that largely ties into, you know, citizenship. That's actually been a change recently, right? Naturalization and marriage now require you to speak, uh, read, or I think it's read, write, and speak Italian at a, at a certain proficiency. I believe it's B1 um, or B2. I, I don't remember the exact on that. We've discussed in a previous episode, but, you know, definitely be prepared. Uh, I, you know, if, if, if we haven't said it before, uh, you know, I, I certainly want to make that clear to everybody. There's nothing wrong with filing in Italy. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Actually, that experience is probably the best so far of, of, of not only this process for me, but really my life. Living in Italy for a year was such an eye opener. Um, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm from the Midwest. Obviously, I've discussed I'm from Detroit. Uh, you know, we don't, not, not a lot of people around here are doing things like that. And for me to have that experience and be able to sort of immerse myself in a different world and be sort of subjected to learning a different language and culture and all of that, um, really opened my eyes on a lot of things, but even more so really kind of taught me that I had to provide that process much more respect because as you had just said, I thought much like you, I'd come in and get it done in six months. And it took me almost six months to find an apartment. So uh, not not a not a fun process. Um, not 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 what I expected. And, you know, that was probably one of the better life lessons I've had so far. So uh, to sum all that up, right, is is there's nothing wrong with following in Italy. Just make sure you're aware of what you're going to do. And if you're hearing this, you know what you're going to need to do. So. Uh, definitely give it its due respect, but also go in that, you know, you're going to have to be flexible and stay within the sort of boundaries, right? Don't, don't do anything stupid. I met a lot of people who probably did things a little bit weird, um, whether legal or illegal. Uh, don't, don't fall into that camp, but, you know, definitely be prepared to sort of, you know, zigzag because, you know, this process will continually change and, you're going to have to adapt with it as opposed to it adapting with you. Yeah. I really like the, you know, word respect as well there. I think that's, that's actually the right attitude to come in with. You know, we, we obviously, you know, have talked about the, the negatives a lot, especially in this episode. Um, and that's kind of goes along with the fact that, you know, we didn't complete the processes we had hoped and uh, you know, we're talking about some of the reasons for that, but I think especially as Americans, we tend to uh, think that the world sort of works like it does in the U.S. all over the place in many cases. And, you know, once you've trapped a little bit, obviously everyone kind of realizes that, oh, that's not actually the case. But if you if you come in trying to twist the process to fit your ideas of how it should work, you won't really get anywhere. You have to respect the, the culture and just the way things work. You have to realize that things have been working that way in Italy for a long time. You're not going to change it yourself. Um, how you feel about it, whether you think it's right or wrong, that's your own personal opinion, but how you deal with it is, is a different matter, right? You can't, you can't come in thinking you're going to change anything or do things your way because you're not, you're not going to get anywhere doing that. So as a matter of practicality, you need to respect the process, respect the way things are done, 
learn about it because as we've said, it, it does differ based on different cities and regions and, and things like that. It's going to be different all over Italy, depending on where you go. So you really have to respect that and then learn how it works, where you're applying, whether that's a consulate or in Italy, actually it still applies equally. Uh, learn about their requirements and then figure out how to work within those. And if there's truly something they're asking that's impossible, that's when if you get angry or frustrated or, um, you know, become rude to the uh, employees or something, they will shut you down and you will go nowhere. And you might as well move on at that point because they're not going to deal with you. Um, they have plenty of ways to continue to delay you to infinity if they want to. Um, you know, you, you don't want to go down that route. So, you know, maintain respect at all times. Uh, be polite. Be professional. If they're asking for something that's truly impossible, explain your situation, um, ask them how you can, you know, resolve this, what they would recommend. And most of the time, if you, if you maintain that sort of respectful demeanor, they'll figure out a way to help you. They may not want to, they may not be super happy about it, but they'll probably figure it out. And, and that's, in my experience, that was the minority of cases, right? That was, that was some smaller percentage of the offices I dealt with in my time in Italy. And, and most of them were, were very happy to help and, and wanted to, you know, do their job as well as possible and help you within the bounds of the law. But there are definitely, there's, there's a significant minority of, of interactions that I had with, I guess you could say government bureaucrats that were uh, less than positive, where it was, it was pretty clear they were doing the bare minimum and, and not necessarily too happy to help. But like I said, if, if you, you know, maintain that sort of um, professional, polite attitude and, you know, ask them what you can do to resolve this or explain your situation, um, you'll probably get through it. So I think that's, that's really key. If you, if you uh, come in and act like a quote unquote typical American in their eyes, uh, because I think they do see a lot of uh, people coming in trying to just kind of ram the process through and and uh, do it their way, um, you probably won't get very far. If you try to learn about what their requirements are, what they're asking for, and you know make a good good effort to comply with that, even if you think it's unreasonable, uh, you'll get a lot further. Um, you know you may you don't have to be happy about it, but if you want to get the process done, then that's that's definitely the route that will get you further. Yeah, um, you know, and that that's probably more of the theme of this episode than anything else, right? Is is even though we had uh, a difficult process and sort of, you know, we we didn't approach it with the right level of understanding, um, we don't want to shift that blame. It's it, you know, and perhaps we've we've toned that or sort of. I don't think we've ever really said that. Um, I know I've been somewhat negative on the process. And I'm, I'm more just harping about my negative experience in the beginning. But, you know, being a year removed from it, you know, uh, almost two, uh, it, it's 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 as much of a me problem as it is, you know, sort of their issue, right? Um, I wasn't prepared for the level of bureaucracy I deal with. But I also, frankly, just wasn't prepared. Um, and that, that's, that's nobody's fault, but my own, uh, if I could go back in time, um, I wouldn't do any of it different. 
I learned uh, exactly, you know, well, I guess I, I gained a lot more from it than just sort of not becoming a citizen through it. Because as I've shared, I filed with a consulate. Uh, but it's, it's, this is definitely something that you can do. I have met people who have done it. Um, I suspect there was some weirdness going on there uh, with a couple of them. But I also know a couple of them wouldn't have done that. So it's, this is, we, we don't want to make it sound like you cannot do this in Italy. Um, many people have. Many people will continue to do so. I'm sure they will get more restrictive and more restrictive and, frankly, more restrictive. Uh, but at some point, you know, someone's going to get through the process because there is a process. Um, you know, what that takes to get through it, you decide if that works for you. Maybe it does make more sense to file at home. Maybe it makes sense to move there. You know, if you go over there, something I don't know if we've discussed, if you go over there and you turn in your paperwork and you get a permissive use in journal, you can live there forever. You, you don't have to leave. You're, you're valid for until your citizenship's done. So if it takes them six years to do your citizenship, not that it should, but if it did, you're valid for the whole time. You've already done your obligation. You are effectively Italian in waiting. And really, you already actually are Italian. You're just waiting for the paperwork to be done. So... Uh, definitely not something like you're going to show up and, and um, you know, they're going to boot you because you didn't do it right or it took too long or anything like that. Uh, there, there's a lot of positives to this. I, I shared the same belief you did. I was going to show up for a short period of time, go elsewhere and figure it out and then come back and kind of explore Italy. And uh, I've said in a previous episode, maybe a couple times, Italy is on my list. I absolutely want to go back to Italy for another whatever period of time and literally go city by city if I could. Um, of course, can't do that, but I, I really like to literally go top to bottom all the way down to where my family's from and see everything I can because I've got that uh, ability, of course, but um, that's how much I, uh, you know, I feel connected to my roots and you know, I, I really want to understand and see Italy for what it is, as opposed to, you know, sort of YouTube or Instagram it all together. Yeah, I guess wrapping it up, um, you know, I agree with everything you said there. I, I think um, the key is really prepare, right? Learn the language if you can, but stay flexible. Um, Italy, if nothing else, requires flexibility in your approach to how you go about, especially with the government getting things done, uh, stay flexible, learn from the process, um, try to try to learn as you go, understand sort of the overarching way things should work, uh, but don't get too hung up on any individual aspect of it. Um, you know, the, I guess it's kind of a three-step process when you, uh, when you go to Italy to try to do the, the citizenship recognition, which is you arrive you get your stamp or your declaration of presence, right? Then you use those to obtain residency, ideally. Uh, in order to do the residency, you do need a lease. So I guess it would be a four-step process, right? Get the stamp or declaration of presence, get a lease or declaration of hospitality. Then you get your residency. And then once you have that residency, then you can submit your paperwork for recognition of your citizenship. So if you try to just follow those steps, um, work through any difficulties, do it 
as quickly as possible, especially the first few, getting that getting that residency done uh, or at least submitted within like the first ninety days is is helpful. Uh, then you'll do okay. Um, you know, it's it's definitely easier if you have more time. You don't have to stress as much about the timeline. Uh, but I'm sure it's it's possible to do it in a shorter amount of time as well. If you don't know the language, find someone that does that can translate for you and help you out at appointments and things like that. That will also go a long way. Um, so before we wrap this up, any uh, any last words? Yeah. Um, just sort of echo what I said before. Uh, be prepared. And, you know, from someone who's experienced in this, and I know you think the same, if you're hearing this and you're listening to this, you're infinitely more prepared than either of us were. Uh, because everything I had read, anything I had seen was either incorrect or old. Uh, there was no current, here's what you do, here's how you do it, here's my experience sort of, uh, you know, guide online. And, uh, well, to take that back, actually, there were many guides that told you that they did it, but that was either, again, outdated or just extremely positive. And as we both said, that's not been our experience. So go into it with an open mind and, you know, roll with the punches and really, frankly, just know what you're there to do uh, because this is a big step. And as uh, we've said before, and, uh, you know, I believe and, um, you know, in, in probably a, a coming episode, we'll discuss why we wanted to be Italian, you know, get more in depth on that. You know, this is a citizenship. This is not this is not a. Uh, you know, a novelty thing, you know, you are, you are joining a country officially. And it's, it's one thing to be Italian, right? You know, and it's another to be a citizen of Italy. Um, you are now tied to that country and everything that goes in with it, good and bad. Um, obviously, much more good than bad in my eye. Uh, really, honestly, I don't have too many negatives to say about Italy other than some of the, the weirdness of it. But uh, you're forever tied to them and your kids, if, if it passes down your kids, kids and however further. So, you know, just understand what you're asking for. And, and, uh, hopefully, you know, you're like us that you're, you're ready for that and you're excited for it. So, uh, I think I'd end it on that. Very good. If, uh, you approach it with the proper, I think, sense of respect, um, and, you know, stay flexible, like I said, then you'll do well. So with that, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.